You were living your life, climbing the ladder and carving out a career for yourself. You had big plans and big ideas. And then you had a baby and everything changed. Just like that. All of it came to a screeching halt. Maybe you kept working or maybe you stayed home. Either way, your world suddenly became very small. And though you were never alone, you were always lonely. You silently asked yourself, where did I go? Who is that tired looking woman staring back at me in the mirror? Until you remembered something very important. You aren't just a mother. You are a mother plus artist, a mother plus entrepreneur, a mother plus musician, a mother plus yogi. You can have an identity outside of motherhood. My name is Stacy Hudson. I'm a mother to two under four plus writer, certified health coach, aspiring entrepreneur, and athlete. My name is Stephanie Springer. I'm a mother to 10 and 15 year old girls, plus writer, music therapist, producer, singer, and teacher. Here, we will interview mom bosses, entrepreneurs, artists, athletes, and passionate hobbyists and talk about how to find the thing that lights you up again. You're in there. We know it. You just have to find her again. Welcome to the Mother Plus Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Mother Plus Podcast. Today is a much-needed Stace and Steph episode. It's been a while. Hi, Steph. How you doing? Hey, Stace. I'm okay. It's been kind of heavy times for, for both of us. Yeah, yeah. And we're here to talk about something that that is heavy, um, but with some light at the end of that heaviness. Yeah. Um, so... What we want to talk about today is what makes you feel alive. And this thought has been on my mind a lot over the last few months as I lost a very good friend in December um, uh, who was my age. He was 37, still very young, had a very young family, and it was pretty devastating, as you can imagine. And I would say he was the first friend that I lost, first person I've lost that's been that close to me that wasn't a grandparent um, that really kind of rocked me. And uh, all I can, all I could think about following his funeral was how short life is. And am I doing everything that I want to be doing to live the best life I can? Um, So obviously death is a very sad, hard thing. And it's always sad. Um, but sometimes it feels harder when the person still had a lot of living left to do. I just got off the phone with somebody this morning whose 99 year old grandmother passed away and she was so happy and telling me about it because she had lived such a full life and it was almost Mm -hmm. a celebration that she had made it that long. She was only three months away from a hundred. And so it was this congrats, you know, wow, that's amazing. I can't mm-hmm. believe it lasted that long, but when it's, you know, thirties, forties, fifties, it's just like, there's so much living left to do. And it just feels that much sadder. Um, I agree. And even, I mean, I'm older than you, but even sixties and seventies now, it's like, that's feel that's too young. You know what I mean? Like I, there, when you talk about people having like a celebration of life, that to me is like, you've made it into your eighties or nineties. Like we really are selling. It, it, it feels hard to think about celebrating someone when you feel like they should have had more time and you're not ready to let go of them. Yeah, exactly. Um, so funerals 
have been on our mind lately, as as Steph said. We put the fun in funeral. Yeah. That we thought that might make it into the slush pile, but um, but but no. So Steph and I have actually talked about funerals on this podcast before here and there. And Steph brought it up in the context of um of momcations because they're oh, yeah, that was always when I was traveling by myself. Right. Was, was to funerals. Mm-hmm. The one time where we make every exception and we just figure it out, right? Um and so we have that in common, but I'm not I've talked to my best friend about this too, because she she's like this too. It doesn't matter how inconvenient, it doesn't matter where or when she's going. And I don't necessarily think the whole world subscribes to that. And I don't know if it's because of my personality needing that closure, that that sacred sort of, I don't know. It's not that it's not sentimental. It's 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 sacred. It's sacred closure. And it is a celebration, but it's also I need that that public grieving together. And I've been going to funerals when they are ill-timed, when I had new, flown with newborn babies, um, because I, I don't ever want to have that regret of 20 years from now, I'm not going to look back and be like, oh, thank God I didn't reschedule music class. That would have been really inconvenient. Or, you know, I will never regret that I wasn't there for Uncle Norman's funeral, right? Like, I just think that there are some things that are so important. And so I've always been a person who says, who cares what else we have going on? Who cares how much the flight costs? We're going to, we're going to go, we're going to remember, we're going to be together. And, and, and I never, I never will regret that. And, um, and that's not to judge someone else who maybe doesn't need that, or maybe funerals are like super triggering and upsetting and overly, like people have their own thing, but that's something that you and I both share is that, that that acknowledgement that that memorial is really important to us. And and so you went to your friend's funeral by yourself. Yeah, it was in Iowa. It was right after Christmas. It was ill-timed because we just had a bunch of time off. Um, but there was no question in my mind. I mean, this was like a really good friend through college. This is somebody who supported me so much through the podcast. He was always my biggest cheerleader. Um, we talked semi-regularly and we always had a call at Christmas time and um because he loved Christmas and I love Christmas and then um we had a call scheduled and then he got sick and I got sick at the same time and we were both kind of complaining about how much it sucks to be sick and that when you have kids nobody takes care of you and that his throat hurt so much that he couldn't do the call and that he would have to reschedule um and we texted a few more times and then three days later he died Um, and so I, I mean, the, for the funeral, going to the funeral to me is it's, it's respect for the family. And it gave my opportunity, me an opportunity to meet his parents that I'd never met before because we were college friends. We didn't, you know, know each other's families, but I got to tell them what an amazing human he was. I got to tell his wife, I got to see his kids. And then also, I, I mean, depending on how spiritual you are, but I, I genuinely feel like that person is present there and Mm -hmm. in some way or some shape Mm -hmm. or form. And so it's for him too. So it's for the person. And this funeral was a very sad, sad experience. As you can imagine, his kids were very young, the same age as mine. Uh, well, a little bit younger, two and two and five. Um, but it was, um, it was so, so life-changing. Like I cannot 
get those images out of my head. And all I can think about, all I could think about leaving that funeral, the rest of the day, the flight home was just like, yeah, what are you living your life the way you want to be living it? Like, can you think of all the things that, that, that he wanted to do probably before he died and was he doing that? And and so it just like, it, it kind of wakes you up ironically. Right. I think, I think it is a wake up. And I think that whenever we attend the, whether it's funerals or weddings or graduations, it's just a natural and important opportunity for us to pause and reflect. And your, your, your inner self is like, Hey, psst, pay attention right now. This is another one of those moments. It's time to check in. Where, where are you? Where are you going? Where have you been? What's important, you know? And as, as heavy and emotionally draining as it can be, I think it is important for us to, to use those opportunities to, to learn something and to get back in touch with ourselves because, you know, the lessons aren't all sad and about loss. They can also be about, about living and about the choices we make. Right. Yeah. Well, I was, I, I lost a friend this morning. Um, a close family friend. She was in her seventies, but, um, one of my closest family friends, um, my mom's best friend, my childhood best friend's mom. Um, the four of us took mother daughter trips, um, since, since we were kids. Um, Ann and I met when we were six years old and our moms were like, we're friends and you're going to be friends too. You each have a cabbage patch doll, go play. (laughs) And, uh, I won't get into our saga because it's not just my story to tell, but we have a rich history and those weekends were like, um, guideposts sprinkled throughout my life. And, um, two weeks ago I got to fly out to Iowa again. And, um, we had one last mother daughter weekend and, um, I'll be going to a funeral sometime soon, but going for this weekend, it was like canceling work obviously leaving the kids at home with my husband. Yep. No problem. It doesn't matter what else is going on. This is happening. And it was the most sacred weekend. And it was one of those miraculous times when somebody who's in hospice and is close to the end of their life rallies and, and it it was like a miracle. And so it's probably not shocking that, you know, fast forward 10 or 11 days and, and she really gave all that she had to those, those three days we got to spend. And when I think about the choices that we made in that weekend, she had a list. We got our makeup done professionally at the hotel. Makeup artists came to the hotel room. We went out for a fancy fucking dinner, right? Cocktails and desserts. And I mean, so fancy. Um, we had a pizza night in, we went to an art museum, like Des Moines has a great art museum. Like I'm talking Picasso, Warhol, like we had, we felt fancy and we had a beautiful lunch in the museum. Um, the last morning we went shopping for fancy dresses and had margaritas and Mexican food at a restaurant before I went back to the airport. And we laughed and we remembered. And, um, there were some of the most special, beautiful days of my whole life. I converted um, some of my old photos to digital and made like a big slideshow that we all sat on the hotel room couches and watched together, you know, just like just our, our lives together. And I will treasure those three days for the rest of my life 
And I feel so fortunate that I was able to spend them with Nancy and that she, her choices, makeup, fancy dresses, museums, restaurants, like that's what she chose, right? It wasn't a sad weekend where we sat around crying. We, we laughed so much. It was, it was beautiful. And, um, that, that to me is, is just, it's worth everything. Thanks for letting me talk about this. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Um, so for, for, it's funny that we both went to Iowa. I mean, I know you're from Iowa. I've, I tell you what, I have been to more Midwest winter funerals. Yeah. I swear to God, I don't know what it is, but it's just such a, it's like such a brutal and jarring combination. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I was like a pallbearer in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, zero degrees. Like, how am I going to walk and care? I needed my dad to help me. I'm like, I don't think I, I don't think I can hold up my side of this. Like it hurt to breathe. It was so cold, but these are the, I don't know. It feels fitting sometimes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my friends was the same and it was snowing and brutal. And we all Mm -hmm. went outside for the burial and so Mm -hmm. many people were wearing heels and (laughs) right. Right. Coats And yeah, it was extra extra depressing. Um, but so for, for me, the funeral experience was this kind of mix between obviously grief and shock and, uh, you know, memories and like all these flashbacks, um, of our time together. Um, but then also clarity. Um, that's what I came out of it with is that, I mean, I spent probably a good two weeks of being just very sad as Mm -hmm. you should really, and then it, it's just, as time went on, I just became more and more clear. I'm like, okay, this is the way things were supposed to be. What, what was his purpose here on this earth? What is mine? Mm-hmm. You know, if I died tomorrow, would I be happy about where I am in life or what I have done or what I'm, you know, what I am doing, what I'm not doing. Um, I, I felt like during that weekend, even as sad as I was, like I went to a restaurant that night and ordered food and a glass of wine. And I don't know, it was just for me lately, wine doesn't after this is a longer side story, but since having my kids, I, I, I still enjoy wine, but not the same way. A lot of wine gives me heartburn. I don't like, it it doesn't necessarily like go down the way it used to, but for whatever reason, this glass of wine was the most intoxicating glass of wine I'd ever had. The food was incredible. Everything. My, my senses were heightened. Yeah. Heightened. Yeah. I, I was so, I was so present in the moment. I wasn't scattered and I am a very scattered person. And I felt so focused that whole weekend and the weeks following that weekend, I remember driving home, um, from, the airport to my house when I landed back in Colorado. And instead of listening to podcasts or audiobooks, as I often do when I'm by myself, I just blasted music. And particularly because he loved music and there were a few songs and playlists that he'd sent me through the years. And I listened to that and I listened to it loudly and it was cold, but I put the windows down. Uh, you know, just the things that the differences that I felt in myself and the importance of just being fully in the moment and, and enjoying my life instead of thinking of everything that's wrong with it all the time. Um, and then I, you know, as you do, I got home and I hugged my kids way harder 
and I kissed my husband longer. And I just, I, I was, I was so clear, you know, and, and I, I will admit, I think that most people who've experienced death will say that they probably have felt the same thing, but it doesn't last forever that it fades. And, um, and I, I just, I want so badly to hold on to that feeling and continue it. And I think maybe this podcast is a way of doing it. Um, and just reminding myself the importance of, of conscious living, um, and being, being more present and not letting my life pass me by. Right. Because you don't want to just be waiting for these life altering moments, which are generally not like positive, you know, like weddings. Yes. Births of babies. Yes. But you don't want you don't want for something devastating and extreme to happen for you to have that that little whisper in your ear that says pause this is important pay attention you know and i and i think it's hard though in our lives we talk about this all the time on this podcast how how much we're on autopilot how much overwhelm we're dealing with how difficult it really is i mean be present is such a stupid cliche but it it feels it feels really important and it feels really hard to do amidst the scrolling and the rushing and the juggling. And so, I mean, I think there's no way for us to always live in this suspended sense of, of uh, heightened senses and purpose. Like it just isn't the way we live, but if maybe we can check in with that touchstone a little more often, you know, cause we are going to live our lives in a blur. A lot of the time, it's just, there's no way that we can't, we can't, every breath we take, every thing we do throughout the day, be like consciously aware of our own mortalities, nor should we like, that would be a terrible, a terrible burden to carry. But like, where do you find that, that ability to sort of integrate those lessons of what you want to do and how you want to live. And when I look at my friend, Nancy, I will always think about her laugh, just ringing in my ears. Like her laugh was like nobody's laugh. And she loved books more than anyone I've ever met. She was a librarian and a bookseller throughout her life. And she loved, she loved art and theater and movies and travel. Like, God damn, she lived her life. She lived her life so big. And I think when you were talking about what things do I want to be doing and what things don't I want to be doing? Yeah, we all have to clean our houses and pay taxes and, you know, take kids to school. We're all going to have to do a bunch of shit we don't want to do. But like, are we saying no to things that we should be saying yes to? for reasons that are stupid. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we can't just break the bank and take the expensive vacation all the time, but we can do it sometimes. And we can do little things other times, even if it's not the most practical way to spend your weekend. I just think about Nancy being a lighthouse for me throughout the rest of my life. Like what would Nancy do, you know, because she was an inspiration of, of laughter and, and living really, really living indulging in life. And that's how, that's how I want to be, you know? And I think when we think about sometimes when we're, we're overly responsible or we're overly afraid, or we have all these excuses, we don't know how much time we get, like order the glass of wine, take the, take the vacation. Yeah. You know, go to the zoo instead of cleaning out the kids, you know, winter clothes. Right. So I think this is the first time we've ever recorded an episode in two different takes. When we had first started recording, 
my friend had just passed away and we weren't sure when the service was going to be. And what ended up happening was I immediately and unexpectedly went out of town. We had to stop um, recording and I like frantically started getting myself organized, buying a plane ticket, getting out of town. And I was gone for about five days. So we at full transparency, we're recording this in like two takes after in two different weeks of our lives. And after this, this second half, I actually attended the memorial, sang at the memorial, and and I'm now back. But one of the things, Stacey, that you were talking about um, was how you felt when you came back from the funeral. And it's just so strange that we've both been through this because now that's where I am. And um, I, well, I can, I just want to talk about like, didn't you just want to talk about the time you were there? Because it did feel, it was, it was so sad. And yet there is something that is so, um, I think we keep saying life-giving because maybe that's life-giving and almost exhilarating and comforting all of these things about being with other people who loved the person that you loved and lost. And we spent two nights in Iowa, um, with, with Nancy's family, my best friend from childhood, um, her husband, her brother and sister-in-law. I mean, there were grandchildren. There were people I hadn't met. Nancy's husband was there. I mean, all of us. And we just, we did what people do when they're grieving together. Mm-hmm. We ordered shitty pizza and we ate random food out of the refrigerator because everyone was too just fried to like cook or go yeah. anywhere. We some of us drank some alcohol. Um, <laughs> we laughed a lot. We told the same stories that we always tell that are so insular that like they are like the inside jokes, right? And you're just going to keep telling them forever and ever. And and we made new inside jokes and we cried together and we spent this sacred time like in her closet and... um when I, when I flew home, I was literally wearing her shoes. Like I walked around the airport in her shoes. We're not even the same size. It was like the sisterhood of the traveling pants. I put them on and I'm like, Oh, they fit. How do they fit? We're not even, you know what I mean? Just, and we, you know, some of us took earrings or, or sweaters or um, necklaces, bracelets, you know? And so leaving with like some things of hers um, that I get to have always, and um, she was a librarian and then an independent bookseller after she retired, quote, retired. Mm-hmm. And so Nancy is like our book supplier, you know? So I stuffed a bunch of books in my suitcase and have some more for my parents to bring out. But like leaving with these beautiful tokens of Nancy, it was just, it was it was so beautiful. And I, I mean, I bookended my trip by crying on the plane, both directions. (laughs) The first time nobody was sitting next to me, which was great. The second time I just kept adjusting my KN95 mask. So my tears would slide like right into my mask. Like, uh, (laughs) like I was wearing a handkerchief on my face. I was reading um, a book that I got from Nancy's house, Kelly Corrigan, um, tell me more. 
which is amazing. I'm, maybe I'll loan it to you. I started it on the car ride home from the service um, to my parents' house. And literally, I you can't make this up. As the plane touched down, I read the last sentence and I'm just sitting there with Kelly Corrigan and Harry Styles and Taylor Swift and Phoebe Bridgers keeping me company <laughs> while while tears rolled into my N95 mask. But so it's 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 like that that juxtaposition of the horrible emptiness and sadness and yet the opportunity to be filled by by other people who are also mourning and then my family picked me up at the airport including the dogs they came into the airport and um <laughs> we had a we had a family meeting as soon as we got home. It was like I came back and I just jumped into that mode that you were just talking about. Like, how do you want to live your life? What do you want to do? What don't you want to do? And we like mapped out the whole summer. Like, what are we doing? Who do we need to visit? Who wants to come with me on this trip? What week should we do this? Um, and we booked a trip to Disneyland for like three days after school gets out. And I was like, okay, I'm back. I'm ready to start like thinking about what this family wants to do with, with our summer. Let's make these things happen. I love it. You're such an action taker more so than me. Like I still, I felt all of that and I do things internally, but like, what, what do I want? Am I happy? Am I doing the right things? But it's another step to just take that to the outside world or to your family and say, we're taking action. Life is too short. Like, how do we want to be living our lives? What do we want to be doing this weekend, next weekend, this summer, next year? And actually booking the flight. That is awesome. It was. Do you want to also hear the part about how the kids were just goddamn miserable people to one another for the entire night and how dinner was super annoying and how annoyed my husband was on the way home and how they couldn't stop bickering with each other and like oh is this family meeting over I'm so hangry I gotta get out of here so yeah you know you take the good you take the bad were you more or less annoyed than usual when you I was much less annoyed mm -hmm. my husband I was like did did I miss like have they been awful the whole time I was gone like why are you so he was just like no it's you heard them and I was like yeah I did hear them but I guess I give zero fucks about that and oh the kids have been mocking me endlessly since I returned because immediately upon all the squabbling I kept saying we ask ourselves three questions before we talk. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? So like that whole evening when they're like, yeah, well, you did. And I was just like, is it true? And they're like, yes. I'm like, is it kind? No. I brought my A game and I was much less annoyed with them than usual. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I feel that. And I love the intimate ex experience you got at the memorial and being with the family. I didn't get that so much from my experience because I only knew him in college and I right. wasn't close with his family. So I went to the, I went to the after party for mm -hmm. lack of a better word. That's, um, we, had, we had one of those two. Yeah. And I, and I got a, it was amazing because I got this chance to speak to all of these people that have been in his life since I have been friends with him and got to know him better through them. Um, and kind of got to comfort some of them, got to speak directly to his mom and tell him, tell her what an amazing person her son was. And that felt really good. Um, but I think what you said about bringing things back with you mm -hmm. from that person, and I couldn't do it 
as directly as no, you did. Like you it's, not always, it's not always, it's not always like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said in the beginning, I think no matter who it is, if there was somebody in your life that touched you, you go. And like, this is not somebody who I was hanging out with regularly. Like this right. was an old friend that like felt like he meant a lot to me. So it was really important for me to go, even if I was like, nobody really knew who I was there. They're like, you did it for oh. you. Yeah, you I did. Yeah. But I took things back from it for myself. Like they had this table with all of his favorite things on it. And I took mm. a picture of it yeah. and I, some of it I kind of knew and others I didn't. And, you know, I bought his book. He actually mm-hmm. wrote, illustrated a book with his wife. I bought that book, brought it back with me. I, he sent me songs in the past that I, like, I kind of paid attention to, but of course I was much more aware of them afterwards. So right. I created the whole playlist just for him. And I listen to that whenever I feel like I want to hang out with him. And this is the stupidest thing and maybe just an excuse, but at the airport, I, you know, they have these stands and there was for jewelry, you know, you can buy random things at the airport that probably cost way more than you would normally pay for them. But this, I think it's called breadfruit or something. I don't know. You can, I bought a necklace and I felt like I needed to. And I often do this when I go on trips, just any kind of trip, I buy a necklace to like remember that trip. But this particular mm. necklace, I spent, I must have spent 30 minutes at this little cart trying to like feel what felt the most like him. I and love that. I love nature. That's... So I got like the leaf necklace and <sighs> I just like, like felt like he was calling to me and I bought it. And now every time I wear it, I think of him, even though he didn't give me the necklace, but like, but you um, did something so beautiful because yeah, yeah. like you said, you're not going to go into his closet and like take his favorite flannel home with you. Like it's not always appropriate. I mean, the only other time I've done that in my life were when my grandma passed away. And I mean, I remember like all the old, old Tupperware, like we've, we've used a butter dish. Like we have soft butter on our counter now ever since. Yeah. Cause I'm like, oh my God, this butter dish, we put the dog's food in the old Tupperware cereal. Like, you know, you're, you're treasure hunting and you're taking home these beautiful things intentionally to remind you of the person. But I think what you're saying is such a beautiful idea for listeners, because especially the older we get, we are going to be grieving more. We're going to be remembering and celebrating lives more. And you don't always get to take something from the person. So what a beautiful thing you did by creating this like intentional, meaningful opportunity for you to have this like a little ritual for yourself and and a memento. I think that's really special. Yeah. And I feel like every time I wear it, I'm more aware. Mm -hmm. I'm just more aware of what I'm doing and of my surroundings. It makes me happy. It put a smile, puts a smile on my face. Yeah. Um, so after the funeral, I, I, it made me think a lot more about my life. And I am, I love to journal. I don't do it enough, but when I do, I always feel better. And so I started just writing down questions. Um, What do I want to be doing? What do I want to be feeling? What don't I want to be doing and feeling? And if I died tomorrow, would I be satisfied with how I spent my day, my month, my years? Um, My answers to those questions were, what do I want to be doing I want to be writing more. I want to exercise because it makes me feel so good. I love being creative. I also want to be alone with my thoughts. 
but have short periods of fully present time with my kids and my family and at least one good conversation with a friend a day. Mm, Um, I like that one. And for what I want to be feeling, I want to feel alive. I want to feel social. I love being around people, but I also love being by myself and figuring out how to, how I balance that. I, I, I put on fire and proud of what I've accomplished Mm. and what don't I want to be doing? What do I want to cut? Um, I don't want to feel overwhelmed and stretched out and, or stressed out and stretched thin and scattered. I don't want to be spending my time doing everything for others before I take care of myself. I don't want to spend too much time on errands and chores that bring me down and feel like a waste of my valuable time. And I don't want to squeeze a million things into my life and feel like I've accomplished nothing by the end of the day. And if I died tomorrow, would I be satisfied? I feel like I'm going in the right direction with where I want to be in my life, with this podcast, with the people I've been spending more time with, but there's definitely more to do. There's more to try. There's more to fail at, which has always been a struggle for me, but trying trying to fail more almost intentionally just to do it. Um, more to beam with pride about, more fun to have. Um, strangest thing, but I wrote down cocktails and I am mm-hmm. a very healthy person. As I've said before, health and nutrition are a huge priority in my life. And as I've gotten older, I've actually started drinking a lot less because I don't like the way it makes me feel, particularly wine. Um, but I do like cocktails and there's something that I don't, I only drink on special occasions if I'm going out for a date night, but I don't know why, like you said, or what, like I said, when you're journaling, you're just kind of dumping your thoughts out and sometimes the most random things come out. And for me, it was this, this idea of a cocktail and what it means when I have a cocktail, it means that I'm letting my guard down. It means I'm not thinking too hard. It means I'm not trying to be perfect with my health. It means I'm going to have time. You're treating yourself, whether you're choosing it or making it, you're like, I'm choosing something that like delights my senses. Yeah. I made my own honey lavender simple syrup that I've been mixing cocktails with. Like you're putting intention into it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or like for me, if I can go out to a fancy restaurant in Denver or a cocktail bar where they have, you know, herbs and all the fruit yes. and everything is just made from scratch. And me and my husband did this a few months ago. We went out on a date night and we're talking to the bartender and she's telling us her life story as she's spending 10 minutes making this cocktail. And this is, this is like, like you said, all of my senses are heightened and I'm socializing and it's food and it's drink and it's making me feel all buzzy inside. And I just love that feeling and I want more of it. I think this, what this is reminding me of is Kimberlyn saying, um, rather than a to-do list, the to feel list, like, how do you want to feel? Mm-hmm. And I, I just like how you are focusing on the feelings. You're following the feelings to guide you towards what's the right thing and the not to-do list. That's another one. Like we are all so burned out on our to-do lists. Let's focus on the not to-do lists, or maybe more importantly, the not to feel like to feel and not to feel. And I think it's a really great exercise for really identifying what it is. And like, like we were saying, you have to, you have to take out your garbage and pay your taxes and do your, you know, but like, 
I think it's that mindfulness and that intentionality, those things that are buzzwords, but maybe they're buzzwords because we actually need them to like buzz in our brains before we actually remember. And I think that's what it is about honoring and grieving the end of a life is that is a buzz in our brains that's like, psst, pay attention. It's time to refocus. It's time to reflect. This is another opportunity for you to start paying attention because you're going to go back onto autopilot because you always do. We always will. But it's like maybe, maybe the less time between the little buzzing in our brains that remind us like, is this how you want to feel? I don't know. I, I was thinking of you today because this was my, my first day back where I wasn't like, oh my God, I took my kid prom dress shopping yesterday. I went and got my hair done with my amazing hairstylist who makes me feel like so good. And then today the kids are back at school and I, um, I sat in my hammock chair outside with my coffee and I meditated with the sun right on my face. And I listened to the birds and watched my dogs play. And I worked a little, which I love. And I did Pilates, which I, my body has not done Pilates for weeks and weeks because I was traveling twice and I was sick and it felt so great and I felt so alive. And so afterwards I'm like, I'm going to Sprouts. I planned out my meals as I was shopping and I was listening to a playlist in my AirPods. And I was like, okay, these are the mundane things that can actually feel really good when you pay attention to them mm -hmm. and when you feel grateful for them. Yeah. These, these life events are whether they're expected or unexpected, they're jarring, they're sad, they're disruptive. Um, I know that I felt really, really exhausted for these past few weeks, carrying this around and the traveling and the waiting and the grieving. I mean, it really does affect you physically. And we hope that none of you have to deal with this soon, but chances are there are people who are out there who are already grieving or have recently been to a funeral or are waiting for that call. And this isn't the time to like put a positive spin or be Pollyanna or have a silver lining. But if you're in that position, just know that you're not alone. And um, maybe, maybe try to do something like take something with you, even if it's something that you buy at the airport gift shop yourself. <laughs> right. I feel like for, I don't know, maybe this is because it's been like the longest winter ever here. It feels cold. It feels never ending. Yes. I know I'm not the only person who's been sick constantly for the last few months. Like, I think a lot of people are struggling right now. Shit mm -hmm. just feels heavy out there. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, again, I feel like our message is frequently like, hey, there's a lot of crap happening, but like take a tiny little sliver for you, whether it's making yourself that homemade cocktail or latte or meditating in the sun or taking five minutes to close your bedroom door and cry or buying yourself a souvenir at a gift shop or, you know, taking a picture, whatever it is, it's like find yourself in your day, even if you're sad, even if you're struggling. Just leave a little, little bit of room for yourself and some joy. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Steph. I mentioned that my friend Josh and his wife, Sarah, wrote and illustrated a book. Josh was an amazing artist. He drew illustrations that you would swear were real. 
The little artwork he posted for the world to see is absolutely breathtaking. If you visit facebook.com forward slash Josh Miller art, you'll see what I mean. He was meant to do so much more with his talent, but I'm proud to say that he finally got his work out there in some shape or form for people to enjoy. So if you're interested in buying his book, please go to amazingiowans.com. Obviously, this is not an affiliate, just a friend trying to keep the memory of a great friend and artist alive. I will put that in the show notes if you want to go take a look at it. Thank you again for listening to this episode and we will see you next time.